Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. Today I'm joined by Christine O'Rourke, Head of Conduct Standards at RICS and Charlotte Neal, Director of Surveying Standards at RICS for a look at its new rules of conduct launched recently on the 11th of October. Christine, Charlotte, many thanks for joining me today to cover what I know is a central plank in every surveyor's professional knowledge. Perhaps we can start by you just outlining for us what the rules of conduct are and why they're important. Thanks for inviting us, Sarah. It's really great to have an opportunity to um, spread awareness of the new rules. The changes that we've made really are aimed to simplify the rules for members and clients and other stakeholders and to help to support firms and members in making the ethical decisions that we all know are a part of professional practice and to bring some focus to some of the areas that we know are particularly challenging um, at the moment for our members like sustainability and the use of technology. Uh, We also wanted to use the rules to bring more focus to diversity and inclusion and to make sure that that's seen as an important part of ethical practice and an important part of us building a profession that is welcoming to everybody and makes the best use of the talents that we have available to us. The changes are mainly around bringing the rules into a single document. At the moment, we have two sets of rules, uh, one for firms and one for members. uh, And we also have some global ethical principles. That's all been brought into a single document, which has five rules. uh, And then below those sit a series of examples of the kind of behaviours that we think demonstrate good professional practice. So they're intended to help members, firms and clients to understand what good professional practice will look like. Okay, Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit then about how things have actually moved on in this document? You've you've obviously got some new material, you're codifying it um, into a single document, but what what are the key points that professionals need to be aware of in terms of what's changed? The fundamentals are the same. The ethical principles for members and firms haven't changed. They're still about acting with integrity, giving good service, being aware of and maintaining your competence, treating people with respect and taking responsibility for your actions and acting in the public interest. So I don't expect people to find in their things, concepts or ideas which are new to them or surprising. Where there will be some areas where members and firms may want to think about, you know, where there might be gaps in their practice or where there might be things that that the new rules help them to think about are around reflective practice. So considering the work that you've done in the past and using that to help to consider um, how you could improve in the future, how to structure your CPD around incorporating sustainability in your practice and in particular considering the importance of that when you're advising clients, thinking about how your advice will help them to balance economic, social and environmental benefits in the work that you're doing for them. Understanding technology that you're using, the importance of protecting the data um, that you have and making sure that you have rights to use it and are sharing it appropriately. And also thinking about diversity and inclusion. So thinking about what you can do to encourage diversity and inclusion, but also some of the more technical elements around thinking about modern slavery, thinking about your supply chains 
um, and how you're making sure that those are free of abusive labour practices. Charlotte, I don't know if there's anything I've missed that you would add. No, um, I don't think so. But just uh, pulling, putting a bit of colour around it. I myself am a chartered surveyor. And I think for me as a surveyor, it's about helping you make the right decisions and making sure that you act in a way that um, means that you are the best surveyor you can be. And certainly for me over the years, I mean, I've been a surveyor for over 20 years uh, qualified. And for me, it's been a way that not only do I carry out my working life, but it also becomes so ingrained in you that it becomes just just the way that you live, you know, the honesty side of things, the integrity. And I think it teaches you um, to really consider whether you have the right competence and expertise to advise on a particular subject. And the thing certainly that I remember from APC days is if you don't know the answer, you go and find the right person rather than putting yourself in, um, you know, an unsustainable or dangerous position, as it were. And I think that that's really absolutely critical to us as a profession in terms of maintaining the confidence of not only our stakeholders, but also policymakers and um, the general public so that they know that in instructing us, they're going to get a professional who behaves appropriately, communicates appropriately and has the right expertise to advise them to the best of their ability. And I think that includes knowing when not to advise on a particular subject, which I think is just as important as getting your advice right. Um, So for me, I think that's one of the really important things. And I think the emphasis on uh, diversity and inclusion and things like sustainability and data um, just helps provide a framework that, that we can operate under to make sure that we are considering things. I mean, I think unconscious bias is obviously a really crucial thing for firms and members to be aware of. Certainly when I started in the surveying profession, you know, there were very few women in role model positions and who you could look up to. There were a few, but they were incredibly busy and their time was, um, you know, sought heavily by people such as myself, junior females, looking to those female role models. And the industry has changed a huge amount over the 20 years that I've been qualified, um, which is fantastic. But obviously we recognise there's still a lot more that can be done and hopefully these rules of conduct will just make members and firms think carefully in their decision making um, going forwards. And I think really as as members, um, we have a responsibility as well to help the uh, the profession improve. And so for me, it's about um, trying to engage with local schools, with children, easy for me to say I have children of my own and I'm sure their school is fed up with me going on about the built environment but you know it's important for each of us to do whatever we can to try and and help people understand what opportunities there are in our profession and to open the door to those who come knocking. Do you feel then that there's much work to be done by professionals in terms of incorporating these new standards into professional life 
Or do you think that that much of what's needed is there? It's more a question of of just really giving people some focus and, and making people aware of these things again. So for me, working in having worked in private practice advisory and and you know out in industry, having recently joined the RICS, I think a lot of the um, foundations are there already. It's just making sure that we focus and consider different options. The RICS has put together some great CPD, um, which gives a number of scenarios for people in the profession and members to actually look at and get examples of how to behave if certain things arise. There's the decision-making tree to help you if you are um, struggling a little bit to, to make the right decision. I mean, there's always more we can do to improve because risks change all the time and in the global environment that that we live and work in there are increasingly diverse challenges whether you know it's dealing with a pandemic or uh, changes in sustainability or, or whatever it may be and just keeping abreast with changes in the markets um and Uh, influences within those markets is really important. So, um, you know, CPD is something that obviously we can all do. Chrissy, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. No, I think that's absolutely right. I don't imagine that most members and firms are going to have to make a large number of changes following the rules. We've provided online CPD to help them to become familiar with what the new rules look like. As Charlotte says, there are case studies um, which help to explain how you might use them in practice um, to help you to make decisions. You know, usually difficult ethical decisions will involve balancing off several different interests or um, or concerns and the new rules are intended to help you to do that and we'd encourage people to have a read do the CPD um, and take a look and think about whether there are any gaps in how they could improve that that the behaviors suggest for them but as I say for for the vast majority of people who are already you know good ethical professionals what this is intended to be is a description of how they behave not a new set of obligations for them to follow yeah and tell me a little bit about the practicalities of the rules I know that they apply globally and they take effect next year so do you just want to clarify the scope of those for us So our rules of conduct apply to all of our members, um, whether you're an APC candidate or you're a fellow, um, all the way, all the uh, stripes of membership in between. And they apply to everybody worldwide and to all of our regulated firms. And you're right, they come into effect from the 2nd of February 2022. There are a couple of reasons for that slightly unusual date. One is that um, obviously the the CPD requirements for members require them to have recorded their CPD by the 31st of January. And we wanted to be absolutely crystal clear about which rules applied at that date. Um, But also, obviously, we've got APC candidates at the moment going through uh, their assessment process between now and and January. And um, we wanted to make sure that they understood which rules they were going to be assessed on. So the current crop of APC candidates undergoing assessment will be assessed on the old rules. But obviously, we would very much hope that they were aware of the new rules and, and able to um, demonstrate they were aware that they're coming in. But obviously, after that, there will be uh, there'll be assessment on the, the new rules. 
So just in terms of APC candidates, that's that's a, an important point that I wanted to pick up on, actually. To what extent do APC students need to be familiar with the rules and, and to what extent do they, they need to um, demonstrate the, those competencies in them at the final assessment? I mean, ethics and, and professionalism are an important uh, core competency um, that we ask people to demonstrate at APC assessments. Part of that is being aware of the rules. Um, and as I say, if you're going through assessment now, you will already, I'm sure, be very aware of the existing rules. And in the future, we hope that being simplified in this way will actually help APC candidates. It becomes less of a memory test between our uh, you know, nine and 15 rules as, as it is at the moment. But the most important part, obviously, is being able to show that you can use the rules in practice to help you to make decisions. And that is something that APC candidates are usually asked to demonstrate at assessment. They might be asked to give an example of where they've had to use ethical decision making or be given an example by the APC assessor of the kind of challenge that they might see something like a conflict of interest. Charlotte, I don't know if there's anything you'd add. You obviously have been through the APC and I haven't. So I think from a very practical point of view, hopefully the APC candidate will be successful. And the reality is once they qualify, they are then in a position to give advice and to um, take on instructions. Obviously, if they're part of a, a firm that needs to be in line with, the, with their own firm pol- firm-wide policies. But essentially, you are going out there after your APC as an RICS member, and therefore you need to be able to put these uh, rules in, into um, practical use. And so it is really important that they understand And I think that's where the scenarios online will hopefully really um, help the candidates to embed the meanings of the rules, because it gives them real life examples that show how they should behave. And hopefully that will help them understand the thought making process and ultimately, um, you know, the desired outcome by by following these rules. As I said earlier, it becomes a way of living and working. Um, So it's really important and it's integral in being a professional, in my opinion. Okay, Um, and you you mentioned those standards and, and, you know, living and breathing those as a professional. How do you ensure as an organisation that professionals are meeting those standards going forward? So we have a range of ways of doing that. The most obvious one and the one that that most people will will be aware of is is our complaints handling, our regulatory process. So if people are concerned that a member may not have met the standards, they can make a complaint to our ICS and we will investigate that. We will look at whether there's advice that we can give to members and firms if something seems to have gone wrong to help them to, to improve. Obviously, in the most serious cases, we will take disciplinary action and it's, it's rare. Uh, luckily, you know, the majority of our members do comply with our standards and, and you know, are, are responsible ethical professionals. But where if something does go wrong, we do take action. We also have a number of different sort of programmes, things like value registration, um, our client money handling programme, which takes proactive steps to uh, check and assure that members are following the most important areas where clients perhaps are most vulnerable. Um, we do take proactive steps to, to ensure that those standards are being followed. Okay. 
And I guess just just to round off for me, um, for anyone listening now who wants to find out about the new rules, where can they access them and, and where can they access any learning that they need in relation to them? So hopefully they're very easy to find. They're all on the same web page. If you go to rics.org, there's a banner across the across the top which says upholding professional standards and that brings you to a drop down menu and rules of conduct is one of the options that will take you to our web page which has the new rules of conduct uh, it also has a document that will explain how we consulted on the rules and the changes that we made um, to respond to comments that our members and, and other stakeholders made while we were developing the rules. Um, and there you'll find as well the scenarios that Charlotte was talking about, a link to the CPD session. Um, we're running webinars. We have one later this week, which is um, fully booked, but we have another one in January that members can attend. Um, and it also has the decision tree. So all of the information that, that you'll need is, is on that web page. If you're really in doubt, you can just Google RICS rules of conduct and it comes straight up. Super. That's great. Well, thank you so much, both. That's a really useful and um, detailed outline of, of what the changes are. So thank you so much for talking me through that. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.